today on Blue 58. It's almost never a bad idea to take an offensive lineman. It's one of the most body-heavy positions on a football team's roster, and if the Packers want to go in that direction in this year's draft, there are a lot of interesting options, especially in the interior. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Don't look now, folks. The draft is only about two and a half weeks away. We are almost there, and we are coming right down to our final position groups. I initially wanted to split interior and, well, I guess offensive tackles into two separate podcasts, but because of the way things have have shaken out over the past few weeks, it looks like it's not going to end up working out that way. So we're going to cover offensive linemen just as a whole here today, just as many of them as we can get to. I think there are a lot of really intriguing options in this year's draft class. But before we get to that, I'd like to talk a little bit about the methodology we use to get to the offensive linemen I want to talk about, as well as offensive linemen in general. We had a great question recently in our Discord server. I did not write down who it was from, but basically the question boils down to how do you think about the difference between offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen? I think to torture a metaphor a little bit, the best way to think about the difference between offensive tackles and interior offensive linemen is to think about them like fighters. Maybe this is just because I recently read uh, the a lot of work by the great sports writer W.C. Hines, who covered a lot of boxing, but I've been thinking a lot about fighting styles recently. He wrote a lot about boxing, about how different guys approached fights in different ways, different techniques they used, what made one fighter succeed in a way that another guy couldn't. And I think a lot of that applies to offensive linemen, especially because they're playing vastly different positions. But I think generally the difference between exterior offensive linemen, offensive tackles, and guards and centers is kind of a fighting style. If you think about fighters, maybe think about MMA fighters, there are guys who succeed in different ways. Some guys are punchers. They want to stand, they want to be on their feet, and they want to be able to basically attack you from distance with their length. You know, you're a, you've got a long wingspan, you're going to be able to punch from a ways away. You can kick a guy from farther away. They want to keep you at an arm's length. That's their strength. There are other guys that want to take the fight to the ground. They want to get you on the ground. They want to wrestle you, for I guess for lack of a better term. Your jujitsu fighters do things like that. They want to get you in holds and submissions and things like that. They don't want to pound you physically into submission. They want to, you know, grab you and hold you, put you in an uncomfortable situation. I think that is very similar to the difference between tackles and interior offensive linemen. Tackles are working in space. They want to keep you out in space as much as possible. In fact, if you watch a good offensive tackle, the best block he often throws is the one that he really doesn't have to throw at all. If an edge rusher is coming up the field, one of the best things that an offensive tackle can do is just continue to guide him upfield, make his route to the quarterback really, really long, just have him run really, really long, basically run himself out of the play. And often he's not really touching the guy at all. He just sort of lightly taps him up the field, makes him sort of take a long route away because the the edge rusher often doesn't want the, the tackle to get his hands on him. He doesn't want to have a whole lot of contact there. And if he does initiate contact, the offensive lineman, it's about controlling a guy in space. There are a lot more ways to get around an offensive tackle than there are to get around a guard because there's just fewer bodies to contend with on the outside. But with your guards, 
a lot of times you see them described as brawlers. And I think that's a, a good, good way of looking at it. Guards want to get up close with you. They want to fight you in space. They want to put their helmet on your helmet, control you as closely and as physically as they can. You often will hear guys who are making the switch from tackle to guard being described as being put in a phone booth. There's less to think about when you're on the inside. There are not as many what you would call a two-way go. A guy can't go inside you as easily because there's more help there. And it's going to take you away from a lot of plays. It's a it's a close quarters sort of combat situation. That, I think, is, is the, the broadest strokes analogy of the difference between playing on the outside and playing inside. It's just it amounts to different fighting styles. So how do the Packers identify those guys? If you've been paying attention at all on Packers Internet over the past, shoot, we're going on 10 years now for stuff like this. The Packers have pretty well-defined thresholds that they look for in their offensive linemen. It's basically across the board kind of stuff. The Packers, as we've covered ad nauseum on this podcast, love to take offensive tackles and turn them into guards and centers because they like the movement skills more than what you do with them at the college level. So the Packers are looking for how their offensive line prospects move. How do they measure those movements? Three ways. Generally, they want you to have a 10-yard split in the 40-yard dash of 1.8 seconds or less. They want you to run the short shuttle in 4.75 seconds or less, and they want you to run your three-cone in under 7.7 seconds. That's basically it. That's what the Packers are looking for. They like guys that could be on that tackle-to-guard pipeline. Increasingly, I think they've moved away from just focusing on tackles. They have brought in some guys who are more strictly guards and centers in college. Josh Myers is one. Jake Hansen, I think, is another. You know, as much as we've ragged on Jake Hansen in in the past on this podcast, I think the way that the Packers coaching staff talks about him is instructive. They've always liked his center background. They like that he has the versatility to go out to guard. It's very similar to how they talk about Josh Myers, who is kind of the same sort of skill set, a much bigger, I think, more physical prospect than Hanson, but still the same sort of archetype there, a guy who plays inside and has some versatility between center and guard. The Packers aren't looking strictly for those tackles who can play guard too, though they certainly, I think, still are interested in guys like that. John Runyon, for instance, is a good example of that sort of that sort of thinking still playing out with the Packers. But generally speaking, they want guys who can move in that particular way. They don't really care about where you played in college. They'll try to just find a place for you on the offensive line. And I think that is the ultimate takeaway here. They want guys that can move well, and then they'll find a place for you from there. They've done some truly mad scientist-type stuff as long as Adam Stenovich has been their guy coaching the offensive line. They're willing to put just about anywhere anyone anywhere on any given Sunday. They will remake their offensive line at the drop of a hat, move one guy from left tackle to right guard, another guy from right guard to left guard. Maybe your right tackle hasn't been there all season long, but he's been on the left side. Suddenly you need him to play right tackle, and they'll shoot him over there, and they'll make the best out of it. They'll try to do just about anything they can to get their best five guys on the field, figuring that if you have the movement skills that they look for, you can probably succeed doing what you they want their offensive line to do. As far as guys who hit those thresholds in this draft, 
I've only had time to really look at the guys who hit all three. There are two other guys at the very least that I want to take a look at who only hit a couple of them. But we're going to start with the guys who hit all three of the thresholds and talk to them pretty quickly. I will say right up front, as a guy who admits openly that a lot of the draft stuff that I do, this is not my strongest suit in terms of creating podcast stuff for you. Offensive line takes that to an entirely different level. I think you can look at this threshold stuff and athleticism and things like that, but it gets murky beyond that a lot quicker than it does with some of these other positions. A lot of positions you can look pretty reliably at numbers and see guys that are going to succeed at the next level. This, not so much. So I've got a mixture in for whatever you think it's worth of guys that are both interior linemen and tackles who meet the thresholds that the Packers are looking for. I just want to talk about them. The first guy off the board that hits all three thresholds is Cody Malk out of North Dakota State. He's 54th on the consensus mock draft big board. Six foot five, 302 pounds, again, out of North Dakota State, an interior offensive line guy. 9.33 relative athletic score. He played almost exclusively at left tackle as a senior, has some experience at right tackle, played 103 steps there in 2020, in 2020 but projects primarily as a guard prospect in the NFL primarily because I think he's a little bit on the, the stubbier side in terms of like arm length and uh, just overall length relative to his height. He's been a longtime contributor at NDSU, first arrived there in 2017, actually spent a bit of time moonlighting as a tight end and won just about every award you can imagine at the level of football at which he played. What I love about him is that he looks like a hockey player. Big, long hair, missing a couple teeth up front, but projects as a very solid lineman just about everywhere you work, everywhere you look. He is Dane Brugler's fourth-ranked guard in his annual Beast uh, that he put out, and that came out on Monday. Hope you've enjoyed uh, getting a look at that if you are a, a, a subscriber to The Athletic or if you have acquired it through other means. No judgment here. Uh, but there's a lot of great information there, and he is Brugler's fourth-ranked offensive guard. I think he probably does look a little bit light for a tackle, but also kind of the player that the Packers would take. And they have shown that they are not afraid to take guys that are a little bit lighter and even keep them at tackle. I mean, David Bakhtiari has never been the heaviest guy in the world. Zach Tom, for a more recent example, if he's 300 pounds or if he played at 300 pounds, I I have a hard time believing that this past season. They're just not afraid to take smaller tackles, keep them at tackle, or, or kick them inside if they need them. And Malk is that kind of guy. I believe that he totally could fill that sort of role for the Packers. Uh, He actually graduated uh, putting the dumb football player trope uh, to rest even more than it already has been. But he actually graduated in December 2021, played an entire year after graduating with a degree in agricultural and biosystems engineering. So a smart cat here. Next guy up is Luke Whipler out of Ohio State number 72 on the consensus mock draft, big board, 6'2 and 5'8", 303 pounds. And with that sort of physical uh, profile, you could probably guess that he is an interior guy. He is, in fact, a center, has only ever played meaningful snaps at center in college. A 9.3 relative athletic score for Mr. Whipler basically took over for Josh Myers after Myers left for the NFL and was drafted by the Packers and had been groomed for that job since he arrived at Ohio State. Actually, a little bit surprising to see him out of Ohio State at this point. He had two full years of eligibility left, but elected to move on to the pros at this point. 
if you are looking for this for a center, and I think the Packers probably should be at least looking. Like I don't know if they're in like buying mode as far as their center position goes, but I don't know if they could turn down any help at center either. He's probably a developmental prospect more than anything, just looking at his size right now. But I think uh, if you if you want a center prospect, a guy who's been playing there for a long time at a fairly high level program in Ohio State, in a a major conference like the Big Ten, you could do a lot worse than that sort of profile. Fun fact about Whipler: his dad bought a house in Columbus after his son committed to Ohio State, and they shared it while the younger Whipler was in college. You know, I didn't get up to anything crazy in college, and I love my dad. I'm not sure that's the four years of my life I want to spend living with my dad, or in Whipler's case, three years or two years or however, however many years it ended up being. Maybe he's really focused on on getting to the next level and, and all of that, and his dad is there to help him stay on track. But if it's me, maybe we're leaving Mr. Meerdink at home, you know, for that, that portion of my life. That's just me. Uh if I was starting up my podcast and really wanted to focus on the podcast and needed dad to keep me on track, well, maybe that's a different story. But if it's the four years while I'm supposed to be in college, I might make a different choice personally. Next guy up is somebody I think should be of interest to the Packers. Blake Freeland out of BYU is the 90th ranked prospect on the consensus mock draft big board. An offensive tackle through and through. Six, seven, and seven eighths, big tall man. 302 pounds, 983 relative athletic score. He played exclusively at left tackle his last year at Penn, or at, excuse me, at uh, BYU, but played a lot of right tackle before that. Long time starter there, 41 of 44 games in college. Uh, he started, including seven at right tackle. And I think he's of interest to the Packers because the Packers have shown a pronounced preference over the past couple of years for tall tackles. Yash Neinman, Luke Tenuta, Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, they love their tall, athletic, developmental tackles. Freeland is that. If the Packers are looking at a mid-round prospect who has tackle experience that they can develop longer term, this is the sort of profile that I think they end up going for. He's not a super polished prospect, very much still a prospect, very light for his height at 302 pounds, but a very good athlete. In fact, he's been an athlete, a very, very good athlete for a long time, was a, a very good field athlete in track and field in high school. He holds the state javelin record for his high school, uh, the class of high school that he was in in high school, and was a state champion uh, shot put and javelin thrower in high school as well, has always been a good athlete. I think this is, there's a real possibility the Packers go for somebody like this, maybe not him specifically, but somebody like that. Continuing down our list, Chandler Zavala out of North Carolina State is number 123 on the consensus mock draft big board. We're going a little bit further down the, the list than we normally would because I'm looking at all the guys that meet the Packers thresholds here uh, in the top 200 or so. Uh, Zavala, 6'3 and a half, 316 pounds, 949 relative athletic score, almost exclusively a left guard in college. Bit of a journey for him to get to this point in his football career. He was at Fairmont State from 2017 to 2019 before transferring to NC State, missed most of the 2021 season with a back injury. Injuries alone probably have me out of the running here for Zavala, but he does check all the boxes in terms of athleticism. It does look like he's already a bit of a reclamation project, given that he's moved around so much already. He's he's had these injuries, but 
in terms of the raw measurables, you can't do a lot better than that overall athleticism score, that size, that weight, and meeting the Packers' thresholds in terms of those movement uh, movement scores. Fun fact for Mr. Zavala, his dad, Demetrio, is a chef who is a two-time chopped champion. That little nugget comes to you from the NC State. Oh, not, not from the NC State bio. That comes from Dane Brugler's Beast this week. So thanks to Mr. Brugler for getting that one out there. That is one of my favorite nuggets that I've uncovered in the draft process so far because I love Chop now and then. One of my favorite cooking shows, uh, right up there with Iron Chef and Good Eats. There's a bonus fact for you. Next on our list is Olusegun Oluwatimi out of Michigan. Uh, 145 on the consensus draft big board. Another interior guy, and I'm not going to say his name again because I said it badly enough the first time. I think this is probably not something the Packers are super interested in, but he's borderline in terms of what they, they might look for. Does hit all of the thresholds, only a 7.84 relative athletic score overall, but a center all the way through. He too has had a bit of a long road to get here. He originally committed to the Air Force Academy and was there in 2017, but then transferred to Virginia and sat out 2018 as the result as a result of the NCAA's transfer rules. Then in 2019, he played in 13 of 14 games, starting 13 games at center, playing both guard spots in the one game where he didn't start. He was also at Virginia in 2020 and 2021. Then it was a graduate transfer and played for Michigan in 2022. True blue interior offensive lineman, athletic enough where it counts. I, I, there's not a ton to recommend him other than that he played on the interior and meets the thresholds. But I think we can't ignore guys that do meet the thresholds here. Take that for whatever it's worth. Now we know a little bit about this guy and where he came from. Fun fact, one of six children in his family. You folks that have like way more than two kids just amaze me. Incredible. We've got two and sometimes it still feels like we're drowning only with two. The people that have three, four, five, six or more kids, I don't know how you do it. It's incredible. Just getting through a day, keeping all eight of you alive if you've got six kids. Boggles my mind sometimes. Anyway, that's his backstory, one of six children. Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas is the next on our list. Prospect number 162 on the consensus big board. Another interior guy, six foot three and two eighths, a weight of 306 pounds, relative athletic score 955. Another died in the Wool Center, exclusively played there from 2020. Through 2022 at Arkansas, played some guard prior to that. A lot of second-tier awards, so like third, fourth-team All-American, second, third-team All-Conference, stuff like that. But he was a longtime starter at Arkansas. He is another center. If you think the Packers should be interested in that, this is probably a guy that you could keep an eye on day three. He played some defensive line in high school as well as offensive line, if you're looking for a fun fact about Mr. Stromberg. Jumping back to another guy who really fits some of the things that I think the Packers are interested in, uh, Ryan Hayes out of Michigan is prospect number 167 on the consensus mock draft big board. Another offensive tackle who has a lot of physical tools. 6'6 and 3'8", 298 pounds, a relative athletic score of 8.9. Started out as a swing tackle for the Wolverines before settling in on the left side. He was a left tackle exclusively his last year at Michigan. Not a super decorated player at Michigan, but a lot of physical tools. And I'd say you could 
probably argue that he's still figuring things out, being relatively new to the position. He didn't play offensive line until he got to college. And given his athleticism, he's pretty much, they've turned him loose basically from the day that he was, he came onto campus at Michigan. But I would say he still probably is figuring this position out. And honestly, it wouldn't be all that crazy for a guy like him to maybe switch back and just become an exclusively blocking tight end. There are guys out there, or there there are players who could make, a, I think, more money playing tight end in that sort of position than just trying to, to hack it out being like the fifth offensive lineman on a team. What if you were a Mercedes Lewis-type offensive lineman instead for just a long, long time? Shoot, even a guy like Tyler Davis is lining up in that kind of role and is going to have a job as long as he can continue to block especially well. You can fill in a lot of roles on special teams with that sort of athleticism, that skill set. Hayes has that kind of athleticism. Why not give it a try at tight end? Other guys have tried that sort of thing. If if the the choice is between being a low-end offensive lineman and really taking a swing at being a tight end, is it really that different anyway? Anyway, uh, Hayes, I think, fits that same sort of very tall athletic model that the Packers have looked at recently on the offensive line, especially at tackle. It couldn't hurt uh, to put another guy like that in the pipeline, even if he doesn't end up panning out. Somebody with that kind of athleticism, those tools, it's worth a look. In high school, Mr. Hayes played tight end, defensive line, and punted for his high school team. Didn't really play any offensive line until they decided this is probably my best chance to get a scholarship and switched over to offensive line and still ended up as the number 23 offensive tackle in his recruiting class in the entire country. That is a good reminder for me that it wasn't just a matter of, you know, I really need to sit down and work hard and try my best and maybe I can get a a scholarship to play football in college. Some people, you're you're just going to be behind them no matter what, no matter how hard you work because they're just athletic freak shows and there's nothing you can do to be more of an athletic freak show if you weren't born with crazy genes. You're not going to outwork a guy like like that who just becomes a top 25 offensive tackle prospect in his recruiting class simply by deciding that he's an offensive lineman now. That's a harsh truth that I think a lot of people don't really don't really learn until they see really elite athletes after you get out of, you know, wherever you grew up and went to high school and stuff like that. There's no amount of working hard that can make up ground when you're dealing with with that level of athleticism a lot of the times. Finally, another guy I think we should pay some attention to because of Brian Gutekunst's tendency to cluster some of his draft picks, really go back to places he's been recently, John Gaines out of UCLA, the 186th prospect on the consensus mock draft big board. Six foot four, three hundred and three pounds, nine six three relative athletics who are almost exclusively a guard at UCLA, does have two starts on his record at center, took on a progressively bigger role at UCLA after playing one game in twenty eighteen, basically just grew from there. I like his size as a guard. He had the top three cone and short shuttle times among all guards at the combine. If you're looking for a guard, and I think if you look at the Packers kind of their composition of the roster right now, there's a little bit more wiggle room on the interior offensive line than elsewhere. They're pretty well stocked for prospects at tackle, though I think they still could use somebody a little bit more polished than a couple undrafted free agents and a seventh-round pick 
behind their two starters uh, at tackle and and even beyond that, uh, David Bakhtiari and Yash Nyman are probably not long for the Packers roster. Nyman is going to need a contract extension or, or an entirely new contract after this season if the Packers want to keep him around. And they've got a big decision to make on Bakhtiari. So unless you really think that guys like, um, you know, Caleb Jones or Rashid Walker or Luke Tenuta can really grow into something or that Zach Tom is just going to be some super duper answer at tackle. I, I think his future still is probably on the interior offensive line, maybe at center. Uh, Tackle may be a real need here, but in the short term, there's probably a little bit more room for competition on the interior line. A guy like Gaines following Sean Ryan to Green Bay maybe not be, may not be entirely out of the question. Now, I did mention a couple of guys who didn't hit all of the thresholds, but I think we still should pay attention to nonetheless. The first is Peter Skronsky, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. He is the 10th prospect on the consensus mock draft big board. He didn't complete all of his testing. So while he does have elite athleticism numbers, uh, it, it doesn't look like there was any real chance of him missing the threshold. Uh, he probably would have hit it if he did all of the testing numbers because he still was an elite tester. Even if you look at him on film, it looks like he has pretty good movement skills. The reason that I think we should pay attention to him is because well, if you're if you're looking at the Packers' needs, like I said, tackle and guard are obvious needs. A lot of people think that he projects more clearly as a guard than at a, as a tackle. If you're looking for how things piece together in terms of his fit with the Packers, talk through it a little bit. The Packers have needs at guard and tackle. Guard short term maybe, tackle longer term maybe. If Skaronsky is projecting as a guard right now and the Packers have needs more specifically on the interior offensive line now but could play tackle in the future, that seems like a fit that lines up for me. The same, I think, is kind of true for Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle out of Tennessee. He's the prospect number 25 on the consensus mock draft big board. To me, he looks like the sort of guy who could hold down the right side of the offensive line at guard or tackle if the Packers decide they want to go that direction. He's a good overall athlete, big, heavy-bodied guy. Just seems like the sort of guy who could be a road grader on the right side of your offensive line for a long, long time and may be able to play inside or outside. And I think as the Packers try to solve for the future of the offensive line, a guy with that kind of skill set or Skronsky's sort of makeup too could be really interesting. There are a few other guys that are similar or have similar sort of um, traits and background and things like that. But I think Skronsky and Wright, of the guys who don't necessarily hit all the thresholds but are close, they really make the most sense to watch. And on top of that, the Packers just had Wright in for a visit this week. They've taken a real interest in some Tennessee guys this year, spent a lot of time with some prospects down uh, at Tennessee's Pro Day, and have had a couple in for visits as well. We should be paying attention to that. I don't know how exciting it would be for the Packers to take an offensive lineman at 15, but like I said in the intro, it's almost never a bad idea to be throwing more bodies at that position. I know they've got a lot of guys on the offensive line on the roster right now. You still need more. A lot of those guys are not battle-tested. They've put some time into developing them. That's true. 
but adding more blue chip talent on the offensive line is almost never going to backfire on you. You're never going to be sitting there in late October, early November saying, gosh, you know what we just have is too many good offensive linemen. Just what are we going to do with all these guys? Is there a way that you can play seven offensive linemen at a time? Because we just have what our real problem is. We just have too much offensive line depth. No team in the NFL is saying that. The Packers' offensive line you know, construction wasn't all that different last September than it is right now. And they had enormous problems with depth through September and October. It was a huge problem on a week-in, week-out basis. They didn't know who was going to be healthy. And that was with, you know, seven, eight, nine guys that they liked in the building. Your offensive line depth can just go so fast. Even if you've got 11 guys on your roster right now that you really like on the offensive line, it would be hard to turn down an opportunity to add somebody you really think is a starting caliber offensive lineman. Is it their biggest need? No, it's not. But they shouldn't turn down a chance to add to their offensive line just because of how your offensive line can affect so many other things. If you're trying to make Jordan's love, Jordan loves life easier in his first year as a starter, you could do a lot worse than putting a solid offensive line in front of him. And it may not even be this year. Maybe it's 2024. Maybe it's 2025. Building your offensive line what year out, two years out, three years out. That is a worthwhile investment because it's going to make so many other things easier for you. I know that an offensive lineman at 15 might be a little bit of a disappointment. It's certainly not the most exciting pick, but if you get a guy who can contribute for a long time, that's a lot less to worry about for your football team as a whole. And I think if the Packers are looking to beef up the interior of their line, there's a lot of really good options in this draft too. It seems like a solid offensive line class. Maybe not, maybe there's a drop off after some of the really high end guys, but beyond that, it seems like there's a a fairly deep pool of guys that you could get some really good value out of. And I think that's a good position for the Packers to be in as they look to add talent throughout their roster, because even if you're not looking for a starter, even if you don't draft a guy at 15 that you think is going to start right away, if maybe you're taking an offensive lineman in the third round or the fourth round, let's not forget that the overall talent level on the Packers roster was a big problem last year. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily play well. Yeah, there were a lot of injuries in the early part of the season, and guys like Christian Watson came along fairly slowly. There were issues with the defense, that's true. But the overall talent level was lower than it was in 2021 or 2020 or even 2019 for that matter. This is probably the least talented team in 2022 of the of the Matt LaFleur era. And they went out there and, well, we saw the result of what happens when you have a less talented team. You go 8-9 and miss the playoffs. Your margin of error just shrinks all that much more. So if you're looking to increase the overall talent level on your team, it's really hard, I think, to make a case for ignoring the offensive line. And if we want to, you know, make our first real prediction of the 2023 calendar year, I will say that I would predict the Packers are going to draft an offensive lineman at some point in this year's NFL draft. You know, we can put that down in writing right now. I think it's going to happen. At some point, they will take an offensive lineman. That's really not going all that far out on a limb, and I don't think we should be surprised when it does happen. 
because the Packers need to be injecting more talent into every part of their roster, not just for this year, but for the future as well. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.